Hello and welcome to American Faithful, the international installment of the Dynamo Faithful, covering all of your USMNT needs. I'm your host, the Sinsky Man, and with me today is Scroggin. Hey, everybody. Back from the grave is Jake. I do exist. And our last minute sub, producer Ian. I'm better than Jesus Ferreira. (laughs) (laughs) This man has one leg. (laughs) Tonight, our hearts are full of pain and pride as our boys went down fighting to the only other team in the World Cup that had not let in a goal from the run of play, who are, in Scroggins' words, the eternal bridesmaids of the World Cup wedding, Louis Van All's Netherlands team. Let's get to it. Jake, it's been so long. Glad to hear your voice. I want your instant reaction to this defeat. Um... It's a tough one um, because it's a game that even before it came on, I said, listen, uh, I, I, we can win this game. I want to win this game. But I felt so differently about this game than I did about the game against Iran. Right. This game was opportunity. Iran was obligation. Right. I sat down to watch Iran and I was like, if we don't beat this team, I think I might hate my life for the rest of my life. And that would be sad. But with with this game, I was like, if we beat the Netherlands, that would be awesome. Right. There's no expectations that we do it. I just wanted to make sure that we I mean, as though I could make sure of anything here, but I, I wanted us to go out and compete. And on one hand, we really did. We 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 didn't look outclassed by this team at all. Uh, we we didn't take some of our chances, which was really frustrating. But we, we looked like we belonged on that field. Right. I, yeah, all this entire World Cup. I haven't been on this podcast, but I'm finally here. So I'll say this. I've never seen a U.S. team play soccer like this at a World Cup ever. Right. I've been watching. I mean, I'm not I'm not old like Scroggins, but I've been watching this for a while. Um, <laughs> and, and I've never seen a team decide an American team decide they were going to try to dictate the tempo of a game. And we did that in each game we played. And so uh, watching us do that against teams like England and today against the Netherlands, like that's just awesome. But at the same time, I wish that they had beat us by being spectacular, right? I wish that we had forced the amazing from them, but we didn't. We fell asleep on late runners into the box, which, yes, we got out coached. Y'all will get into that later, but it just feels like soccer 101. Right. We we dropped the ball on soccer 101 while doing so much well. And so uh, there's a lot of frustration in me about that. But that's that's just about this game specifically. We'll talk about the World Cup later. (laughs) You're right. We will. Producer Ian, give me your instant reaction. Um, I mean, I can't say I didn't see this coming. I would say that uh, I mean, I predicted in the last pod. Let's be real. Um, yeah, I told you. Yeah, I I told you. Producer Ian, insert what they were going to do. Recording of the last pod here. Right. Insert a recording of myself talking. Um, But I mean, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. Like emotionally, it was not um, as devastating as some of y'all sounded in the text group, for sure. Um, I was well, well prepared for this result. I predicted it in my FIFA bracket predictor challenge of which I'm beating all of you and all of my work soccer friends too. So take that. Get it. You're better than us. (laughs) My final prediction can still happen. Yeah. Uh, Same here. 
so it's all it's all fun you know this world cup's been crazy i do have to say that um and that's a good thing because it's entertaining but yeah i'm not i'm not super broken up over this i think overall and i tweeted this earlier overall the u.s can you know following up with some of the things jake said like they can leave with their heads held high um um, in regards to this specific match, I think that they're definitely going to have a few regrets. Um, but I don't think that even in the match overall that, 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 you know, they didn't give a good account of themselves. I think three distinct moments, um, really stand out for the Netherlands. And then we'll kind of get into why those moments happen probably later. Yeah, just a little bit. But first, uh, Scroggins, you've got an instant reaction to give us fans. Yeah, I think uh, this game showed us exactly what we feared um, about our team. Is is it showed us where our weakest link was, and that's the coach. Um, I saw, I think it was on Twitter, somebody said, we didn't get outplayed, we didn't get outclassed, we got outcoached. And that's 100% what happened during this game, is... We knew going in that uh, Burhalter was our weakest link. And then when we saw his roster selection, we knew that his roster selection was going to be another Achilles heel. And uh, here we are. Uh, we no we lost that game. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ian, Ian, is that too soon? Are we still too soon on that? <laughs> no, we're good. we're good. Ian's having PTSD. Producer um, Ian, please put a trigger warning in here for all um, ACL exploded. <laughs> Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah, all Achilles um, <laughs> ruptures within the now, last look, six weeks. <laughs> Ian, just stop rating Troy and you'll be fine. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, this game was it, quintessentially what I thought this World Cup would be. Um, I'm really happy to make it to the knockouts. That I think is is our standard as, as a soccer playing nation in the world cup is that we, we need to make it to the ground out of the group. I think we should expect that of our team. Um, but then after that, we're playing with house money, man. And, uh, and so we lost, you know, but we also had a, a squad that averaged like nine years old or something like that. And, and, uh, we, including Tim. Yeah. Tim, who's a billion. <laughs> we did great. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim Ream is the yeah <laughs> yeah Tim Ream is the the uh, Scroggins of the American Faithful podcast for the U.S. Men and, uh, men's national team I think uh, the old guy that kind of adds some stuff every now and again um, but yeah that that's uh, yeah that that that's my take on it is is like it it's exactly what I expected um, we got exposed because of our coach. But I'm not upset about it um, because we knew going in he was a weak link. And then uh, our, our our guys played great. So I'm not – yeah, it's sad, but I, I'm not torn up. We we did what, what I thought we would do. Yeah, you guys are mostly spot on. I think, you know, we did well. Excellent group stage, played, played our hearts out. I think the boys played mostly well today. I just think they got out-tacticked, out-foxed, you could say. Coach's battle, we lost that one. But Louis Van All, the guy's a veteran. Burhalter, I don't know what he's done. I couldn't tell you outside of the USMNT. I'm sure he's got plenty to talk about, but I've just never been super impressed, and he just seems kind of blah. But the guy's got two trophies uh, that I can remember, Gold Cup and Nations League. There may be more. 
And, you know, got us to qualify, got us through the group, and then we got knocked out. But is he the guy to keep going? I don't know. That that That's been my thoughts all day is just Gregory Berhalter. I want to defend him. I want to attack him. I just, you know, I look at some of the, the successes we've had this cycle, and I look at the way that we played in the World Cup and the way that he set us up, but I also look at obvious, like, just – snubs such as not bringing in Pepe and Peafock, uh, all sorts of stuff. Not letting Reina play, that's that's insane to me. He should have started this game. But that was probably my very first reaction is this is the team to start Reina against. If they're a counterattacker and they're going to sit back, especially early like they did, he's the guy who's going to break them open. But, oh, well, mm-hmm. I'm not the manager, but I am Mr. Manager. But I like the game. <laughs> I felt like uh, the defense was was the weakest it's been and not just because we gave up three goals it just felt like we got outsmarted and maybe that's not the defense's fault but you know they got beat three times so i don't know sounds like a defensive issue to me let's go ahead and look at some of the big thoughts and we'll start with the lineups ian what did you think about jesus ferrer's start well i think it was kind of a surprise just because he hadn't even seen the pitch in the first three matches so you know that one's always kind of a head scratcher when you're gonna play a player who hasn't been able to get a feel for the tournament at all in your most important match um so yeah that was that was pretty rough um obviously We've we've talked about the lineups and what's been going on with the forwards in uh, Burhalter system the whole World Cup, um, and you know I think uh, we would have liked to see either Weya or Geo in the nine spot. Um, Geo obviously could have could have done some different things. Um, you know, uh, it's also highly questionable to start arguably one of your shortest players on the roster against huge Dutch center backs <laughs> and then try to cross the ball as your form of attacking. So that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, so his inclusion was overall like a just a huge head scratcher. I mean, I don't really know what we were supposed to see from him um, as compared to what we did see, which was basically nothing. And that's why he came out at halftime yeah i think that was the right sub too i think he was supposed to sort of false nine it up like what i guess Gio was gonna do but uh i see your hand there scroggins get in here help me out that that killed me right is is i watched jesus ferrer like receive the ball with his back to the goal and not try and turn and shoot like his first thing was to always pass it off to somebody else which is fine if we want to play with a false nine. Never mind that we haven't played with a false nine, like all World Cup qualifying and all that stuff. Never mind all that stuff. But I mean, like, if you're going to play with somebody like that, why not start Geo? Because a false nine is essentially a 10. And, and Geo would be better at it than, than Jesus. He, he Geo plays at a higher level. I mean, like, as much respect as I can muster for somebody that plays for FC Dallas. I mean, like, you know, Gio is just mind blowingly better, especially if you're playing, playing that false nine type system. Like it looked like he was trying to, it's just uh, stupid. It it was just a really dumb call. 
That's really interesting to me. I think I have stuff to say on that, but Jake hasn't been on this pod in so long. It would be rude of me to cut him. Go ahead, Jake. Y'all said a lot of stuff that did not include the phrase, I was just happy to not see Haji right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm real confused as to why you did not start with that. And that's all I have to say, Sensky. What you got? All right. Well, I could defend Haji Wright later because he had one of the biggest moments for the USMNT this game. So I'll get to that later. But, but I did think... he know about it? <laughs> Not at the moment. Biggest because he was, was told him that That's he it. had that moment. Yeah, because he's Just... tall. Biggest? I don't, I don't understand. Right. Right. That was it. That was it. Well, you guys have been said several podcasts now that Burhalter's tactics are inflexible, that he's not moving things, but I think he's smarter than we're giving him credit for. And don't shoot me, because I could see the hatred in your eyes for that, Scroggins. But when when we have three different forwards that each are gonna play the game a different way, to me that's automatically saying that we do have some flexible tactics. Once the way that Sargent involves the wingers and makes space for them, um, and then the way Haji Wright is more of the big, tall guy who hopefully is going to catch crosses. Now, I think Berhalter may not have wanted or liked what he'd seen from Haji. I'll say that more. I don't think he liked what he saw from Haji in the group stage. So instead of going with him to start, Jake, I think that he puts in Jesus Ferreira, who's going to be more similar but still different in the way that uh, Sargent's going to play. And that's with his back to goal and be able to open up space, hopefully, for those two creative wingers who aren't really wingers, they're inside forwards. Pulisic's goal is not first to pass. He wants to score. Way is the same way. They'll pass if they have to, but those are guys who are more forward than wingers. So in my esteemed view and terrible understanding of tactics, that's the game plan. Now you got How more does that state. work against a back three? Look, man, you're asking the wrong guy. I was asking Scroggins. Yeah, I I think... um, Look, man, you're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I think think you're right. Is it the way that our forward, our number nine, would integrate into the attack was different depending on who was there. Um, And also, we have to talk about the attack in two different modes. It's when we're in position and then when we're in transition. When we're in transition, it was very much that classic Josh Sargent back to goal pinging passes off of them and stuff, and then trying to lay it off for Pulisic or Wea as they're running onto the ball. But when we're in possession, it was up the wings to the sides, right? Into the the sides of the attacking thirds where we would form passing triangles with the wing, the the fullback, and a midfielder. And we would try and pull their defense towards that passing triangle and then cut the ball in either by cross or some kind of cutback pass into either an on-running midfielder or our number nine. The problem is we just don't have the number nine to make that effective. And no matter who was that number nine, and no matter uh, who was in those other positions, we we would always attack in those patterns over and over and over again. And I I said it a bazillion times on the internet today and like a bazillion times in our, in our soccer chat uh, is that our, our play it wasn't inflexible. It was predictable. We were always going to attack by using those passing triangles in the wide areas. Like you can go back and you can watch any attacking threat that we had. It was built off of a passing triangle in the wide area, yeah. always involving a midfielder, winger, and wingback. Never 
ever was it any other variation um, when we were in possession. Does I think that make sense? Fair. Yeah, I think that's a and, fair point. And, so, and, and when is that predictable? Nine is the one to... who breaks that down. Not not necessarily the tactics itself, but the the striker. And now maybe you could say Burhalter didn't bring in the right nines. No, but, no, no. You're, but the you're missing strategy the point. sound because the, no, the no, nine's no, you're not missing the run. point. It, it it doesn't matter who's the number nine when your attacking patterns are that predictable. They're easy to stop. That's all I'm I under, saying. I understand that, but uh, you should still be able to pass the ball, not to the defender. And that's a when. When you look at the way that a cutback pass happens by the Dutch players and you look at the way that cutback passes happen by American players, there's a big difference in that the cutback pass makes it to a player on the team and not the other team. Sure, but I, when your attacking patterns are so predictable, all you, all the opposing team has to do is watch one game tape and then they know exactly where to stand to make sure that that cutback pass never makes it through. That's all I'm saying. I understand that, but we're acting as if the USMNT is on the same level as that Dutch team, and I just can't say that that's. And the we truth. are, and I'm done with that. We are. Right? We're. We're. We've. We're. It's not 1998. It's not 2002. These players are playing in big leagues. I'm You're done right. They are. The, no. No. I'm. I'm done with saying, "Hey, it's the Netherlands." Whatever. Right. We have the players now. We can do this. Against if we the coach very them best well, defenders in the world, Virgil van Dyke. Yes, absolutely. I'm You're done. With, I'm done Math with is the like, light sitting oh, on the bench. Oh, is us. We're just America. We can't. We can beat this team. Tyler Adams is a quality player. We're not yeah. playing. And, and Michael Bradley was pretty good. Yeah. In, in 2010 and 2014, we're not playing with Michael Bradley anymore. Peak Michael Bradley can't touch Tyler Adams. In most of the positions on the field, that remains true. We are not little minnows anymore. And if we keep that mentality, then we're not going to put pr- like all the stuff that Glenn has been saying about the Dynamo. We need to be saying about our national team. Right. If we don't expect more from our coach, if we don't expect more from our program, we won't be able to put the pressure that will create more from our program. No, I I agree. We're not we're not a tiny team anymore, but these are the best defenders in the world. I just think it's silly to expect that the substitute player, Christian Pulisic, is going to be able to break through these lines. I'm I think Christian's good, but he's not he's not a starter. Well, okay, and he's, Gakpo, he's on a very good team. I think Gakpo plays in the Dutch us. league. I don't want to Gakpo plays in the Dutch league, not he, for long. Manchester well, United is about to pay a hundred million plus dollars for him. He almost he almost got back. He almost got bought by Leeds United in the summer. Jesse Marsh was on an interview I watched where he said that they were just literally like waiting to just file the paperwork, and that's the only thing that he, held it up. Gakpo is on the same level as Tyler Adams. That's it. Uh, like, uh, somebody who was it, um, was it Burhalter that said it in, in the interview, the difference was, or no, Van Hall is the one that said it. The difference was that they have a player that can score in champions league. No, and that, I'm was like, that, that was Burhalter. That was Burhalter. Yeah. And that was stupid. Which was hot garbage. Cause Christian and, Pulisic is good, but these are the he best. He scored in the champions in the league and they're not, they're this is a, this is not a great Dutch team. This is, this is their like. Step down generation from the golden generation that just they were beatable. Just aged out. They were definitely beatable. I'm not. The difference here was the coaching 
and they knew how to call in a number nine. And that no, was it. the difference is the finishing. The difference is the finish. That's Christian Pulisic is one-on-one in the third minute, and he misses. Yeah, We're going to move on. We're going to hit big moments in the game. Christian Pulisic yeah. is one-on-one in the third minute with the keeper. You have to score there. And he keeps Absolutely. it. And what does he do? Yeah, he in misses. In fairness to him, that keeper is 6'8", and I can say <laughs> from someone who's 6'3", those legs are very long. Look, I'm best friends with a man named Matt Powell, and and he's six seven. So I think he's a, I think he's an inch shorter than that guy. And I've scored goals on Matt Powell before. Now Matt Powell's not a professional goalkeeper, but I'm not <laughs> a professional striker either. Okay, so I think you could have just said Matt Powell's not a goalkeeper. I know that guy. He's he's a great dude, and I don't think he's Look, played. He goal has very long Matt. legs that can kick balls far. So or so you, at least away. So you understand why Pulisic missed that shot then? No, he should have scored it. Yes, he should have scored it. I don't agree your, with your goalie Lawless more than 30% weird. of the time, but he was 100% right. When you're given a chance by a really good team, and you can say this Netherlands yeah. team is a step down, but they're, they've got they're good, they're a good, good chance to make it to the end. So when they give you a chance to take the lead, you got to take it. And I love Christian Pulisic. I know I sound like I'm dogging him on here, but I'm trying to keep the expect the standards high. And I just, he's not making that strike. He's got to make that strike. I uh, think he yeah. did the best he could. I think he no, did the best he could, best he could in that situation. Uh, I think I that's soft, Scroggins. If no, that's I, the best he can do, the then best I'm absolutely right. A goal. This team's not good enough. That was the best. The ball, could. the ball was pinging around. Tyler Adams won it back and dumped it back in the box. And Christian had to change direction. He had to change direction, and it was a great save by the keeper. It's a kick save by the keeper. It's a good save. It's a good shot. I understand what you're saying, but the Dutch players missed shots too. The Dutch players yeah. took great shots that our keeper stopped. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we we are on level with this team. And we're on level. Half, with and how and many, I will say, how many goals did they have at the end of the first half? Oh, we can get into that. I mean, on that's six I, shots, two that's goals. Right. Go and ahead, we Jake. had 16 shots. And go, go ahead, Jake. I will say that shot from Pulisic was harder to execute on than all of the goals that the Netherlands scored. Right. The goals that the Netherlands scored were not spectacular like OMG goals. They were they were set up on a platter to a late runner unmarked in the box. It was which, like passing drills that you do with 10 year olds. That's how they scored their goals. A hundred percent. How many of those I just we died inside because of how true that is. <laughs> how many of those did we score in this tournament? And how many opportunities did we have? How many cutback passes were were made? And how many shots came off of them? Find me that stat because I bet it's a huge number of cutback shot passes. Very few making it to the target, and even fewer making it into the net. I don't think any into the net. Yeah, I think that's a complicated, a more complicated issue because. My reply with that to that would be our cutback passes don't make it uh, because we don't have a number nine that's putting themselves in good positions. That that's it. If if we have a PFOC or a Pepe, somebody that's more of a, a poacher, um, I I think we look better than if we have a Haji Wright who looks like he took an Ambien 15 minutes before he comes on the field, or Jesus Ferreira who has to put platforms in his shoes to to ride a roller coaster. They they just they're not. <laughs> Putting themselves in good positions. Uh, I don't have the roster in front of me, but Dally Blind never played striker for Manchester United. I'm a Manchester United fan. Memphis Depay did did play striker at times, but he wasn't 
in the nine position for this team. I don't think. Maybe he was. And then, and then who's the other guy? De, DeFries? What Dumfries. position does he play again? Dumfries. Those he dumb plays fries. the same position. He plays the same position that Daly Blint played in this game, which is wing back. Wing back. Mm-hmm. Which is devoid of devoid of context of how those goals were scored, and I feel like that's what Jake wants to talk about. And also, the Dutch had number nines taking up good positions in the box, occupying our center backs, which so was their whole to be open. Point. Yeah, so that those guys could be open for the cutbacks. Scroggins unmarked cutbacks that they didn't have to take great shots from because they were unmarked and had time and space. And y'all think Pfock or Pepe would be the guys to open up those those Well, they couldn't have done much worse. <laughs> that <laughs> I think Haji Rai was yeah. the guy. He should have got the start. I, anyway, I, let's I will oh, Haji Rai's inclusion on this roster. He was in good form in his league. I just don't understand the <laughs> It didn't have to be either him or those guys. We took three center forwards on a roster of 26. Four outfield players didn't see the field, and no one thought they were likely to see the field. Yeah. Right? Like, no one saw this roster and thought, I bet Christian Roldan is going to get a lot of playing time. So, if he was there for vibes and eyes, well, I, I actually thought was I'm pretty sure he can be the equipment manager <laughs> and give vibes and eyes. Like, I honestly did think that Roldan was going to get playing time. Because he seemed to be a favorite substitute of uh, Burhalter's, but yeah. Aronson definitely became that guy in this uh, this World Cup. But I did think Roldan was going to get playing time. I wasn't so sure about De La Torre getting playing time. Um, I am a little surprised mm-hmm. that he didn't. Um, but Jordan Morris was always going to get playing time, and Jordan Morris is there specifically, I think, to let Christian Pulisic come out, and in case Christian Pulisic gets injured, because he's definitely. Um, Burhalter's favorite backup left winger. Scroggins, you shook your head. You disagree? Such a specific. Uh, no, I was just I was thinking about the overall roster construction and how annoyed I am still to this. I mean, the World Cup is over for us, and I'm still pissed off about it. <laughs> I we brought Shaq Moore instead of Pfock. Like we could have whatever. Uh, Shaq Moore saw the saw the field. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and he ought not he to definitely I'm not saw it <laughs> okay all right let's move on to the second half of the game uh we basically talked about those two well before we do that way i had that awesome shot from outside what the a shot yeah um, beautiful i loved him way i felt like yep. i was watching the dynamo though for a second because yet another like outside the box shot because nobody's getting chances in the box it just it felt very much like a dynamo game uh, especially that blast. first half for me. Um, then, of course, Blinn scores. Uh, well, I want to, like, I feel like we, we talked around it a little bit. We need to talk about how those goals were scored. Is I don't think it was, going back to what I said at the beginning, it, we weren't out-hustled, we weren't out-played. It, it was just out-coached. Van Call had his, his, uh, his center forwards occupy the spaces in between our center backs and our, and our full backs, making them collapse down on them. Once positions were taken up, their wingbacks made late runs towards the box and opened up the passing lanes for cutbacks or crosses. And that's how all of the goals that they scored were, were played, is Van Call knew exactly how to neutralize the system we were running. And um, 
I think that's probably why we were talking past each other so much. Like when we're discussing like our players quality is because all of our players strengths were neutralized by tactics. And that's really rare to happen in a soccer game. Uh, But I, I feel like that's, that's exactly what happened in this game. I think that's fair, a fair point to say. I think Louis Van All definitely was the better manager of the two on the field. And I think he knew what we were going to do because we did about, about the same thing in the other three games. The tactics are very similar to the way that we attack. Yeah. The, the yeah. center forward supposed to occupy the center backs and the other guys are supposed to make the moves to get the goals. Yes and no, because we, we play with one center back uh, or one center forward and they were playing with two. Which would in and also those wingbacks were making the runs late, so they were driving the ball up the middle, right, making the team making our defense get organized and collapse down onto that back line of that bank of four in the back, and then their center backs are driving forward with the ball, so our center backs are collapsing towards the ball, and then our wingbacks are making late run. Their wingbacks make late runs. And the ball is dumped out wide to them, right? Now, everyone on that back line is already committed. And, and then our, our midfielders are already committed as well. So now we have an overload with a free, like you have a free Dumfries. You have a free, uh, you know, um, daily blint with acres of space and ages to send the ball in. Like you don't necessarily have to be world class to score a goal off of that. And that's that's what we saw. I mean, that's 100% what we saw. Um, I think a lot of those players are pretty darn good, though. <laughs> but, uh, okay. And Overrated. <laughs> let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about the biggest moment in the game. Haji Wright comes on for uh, for Weston, and Anderson comes on for Way. It's not the other way around. Right. Weird. I feel like that would be the other way around. Oh, well. That's and how it was logged on the, on the game. So I believe you. But uh, Haji, uh, Haji's the man of the match for me with that incredible scorpion kick goal that he scored. Uh, <laughs> you guys can give your thoughts on that. I want to hear from Ian. He has uh, ghosted us on this pod. Ian? Well, I had to let uh, Scruggins get all of his points in because we, we would basically be saying the same thing, I think, in this, in this instance. Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, Haji Wright's goal... Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like quintessential, uh, unexpected, very lucky, random. It was like a FIFA goal. That's what it was. It was a FIFA glitch goal. That's what happened. Okay, I can't like that's the only way to describe how that goal happened. And I think ultimately, you know, that was one of the best positions potentially that right put himself in during his time on the pitch in the world cup. Um, I agree. There was some really good movement right before the, right before the shot. Right. So he, he ran, he made a near post run and it clipped him coming across. Right. So one of the things here about our, you know, uh, that would, that we've been saying about the nines in this team is that they don't always put themselves in the best position. Okay. So for Wright to make that near post run, he really just does get lucky because he's running essentially to the like top of the six yard box, like the corner of the six yard box. That's not really where a striker looking to be like a poacher type goal needs to be. 
you know, it's hard. It's really hard to give anyone credit on this except for, you know, the fact that that the U.S. players were trying so hard. But yeah, I mean, it really was bizarre. And from that moment on, I think we all thought, you know, this could really potentially open the door to something. Uh, it was very reminiscent of Julian's, Julian Green's goal against Belgium. Like uh, just oh. this like very interesting goal that comes out of nowhere and gives us a bunch of false hope towards the end of the match. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think y'all are forgetting to give Christian Pulisic his his artistry here. He clearly has played some billiards in his in his past because that guy put just the right hit that ball just the right way to where when it would bounce off the heel of Haji Rai, which he was actually aiming for, because he knew Haji was well covered. And he knew it would hit the heel in such a way that it would cause English on on the spin of the ball, forcing it into the back of the net. It was a pretty pretty wild, brilliant like They didn't play today. It's geometry. Huh? English? What does that the mean? The English didn't play today. No, English is like top spin or something like that. No, they no they they didn't play today. No, no, like you're you're misinterpreting <laughs> me here, Jake. Not the England national team. Like, like I think English you mean I think you mean he put some American on it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the name of this pod. Uh, put some American on it, <laughs> which. There was a lot of American hustle in this game, but I don't know if there was a lot of American like success. I guess you could say, what is that? American uh, exceptionalism? Is that what I'm looking for? That's it. Yes. That's uh, but yeah, you're right. It was false hope because right after that, we do, or I guess the Dutch do the exact same thing they've done the whole game, and that's a uh, pass to an unmarked runner who scores a goal. They zoomed in on Burhalter, and he looked like an absolute skeleton when he grabbed his head. Why? <laughs> he's oh. He was like, "Oh no, I forgot to change the tactics at halftime." <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna tell him not to let him do that again. He clicked on more of the oh. same for his uh, tactic speech. <laughs> there was definitely no uh, clicking throw water bottle. That's for that's, sure. <laughs> that's what he absolutely should have done. <laughs> I mean, it was just uh, like track track runners. Uh, I think this is what we get for not rotating our guys or subbing our guys yeah, early in the previous three matches. You could tell after 30 minutes that MMA or our vaunted midfield was just smoked. They were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and they needed to be subbed off at the 50th minute three games ago. You know what I mean? Um it was just that first goal. Tyler Adams didn't track Memphis. You know, nobody's tracking the the wingbacks making light, late runs on these last two goals. And it, it was just really frustrating and sad that that uh, poor management really did us in in this game. I'm going to jump to Jake here for a second because the faithful don't know this, but Jake has been calling for subs for years this entire world cup he's been asking for subs i mean the moment the game starts there's a text sub please subs please sub now now put sub, in sub. put in right <laughs> uh, so so jake talk to me about about all that all right so i love our midfield i think that it, our mma midfield is our starting midfield i have They're no fighting. problem with Gio Reyna and uh brendan aronson starting on the bench honestly i think that that's it that's if you take that information in isolation, I'm like, oh, that's a shrewd tactical maneuver from our manager there. That's good stuff. 
because those guys work hard. They fight hard, right? And they're going to tire throughout the game, especially if if any of them are coming off of an injury. And listen, Weston McKinney, I am 90% sure, is just real-world Wolverine. He keeps getting hurt. They keep saying he's going to be out for six months, and then he keeps getting back before six weeks. Like, he just heals so quick. It's called he's steroids. Still coming <laughs> off. No one test him. Um, he's still coming <laughs> off of an injury, right? He's not at 100% fitness. And you could see in the first game against Wales, you could see him lose a step at about yeah. the 50, 53rd, 54th minute, right? He got tired. And that, I don't know if it's a coincidence. I mean, I know correlation isn't always causation, but sometimes it is. A third of our midfield gets gassed and we start getting run over by the Welsh and they start putting pressure on us. And I, I'm not saying that we were even intentionally trying to bunker in that moment, but that's a moment where you can say, okay, it's time for an energy sub, which helps in the immediate game. You put Brendan Aronson on, which um, I do think that Greg was about 10 minutes late, 10, 15 minutes late on that. Aronson came on, brought energy onto the field and changed the game. I think that that's a good move had it happened 10 minutes earlier. And you take that that little moment and you do it for all three of our midfielders three times where you leave them on too long, where they're running on tired legs and you get a game like today where I think Weston was was probably gassed, not in the 54th minute, but the 24th minute. Um, and that's rough to see because I love Weston McKinney. Uh, and you also look at this and you compare it to what uh, Van Hall did with his team at halftime where he brought on two midfielders so that they could bring up the energy, so that they could up the tempo, so that they didn't tire as the game went on like ours did. The the lack of subs, the lack of any rotation. And, and I know that Aronson and McKinney are not the same player. And I know that Gio, uh, Reyna, and Giannis Musa are not the, the same player. I get that. But we don't have the luxury as the United States of America of leaving talent on the bench, right? You yeah. leave talent on the bench, you get a game like today where our starters are absolutely gassed. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good point. Um, I do. I think there's something to be said about when you're in the lead, you don't want to make too many changes. So I understand that too. But I do think that our players were very tired and that was evident. So we lose this game. When Jordan Morris came on, it was kind of like a nod to him and just calling it a game. So here you go, Jim. Let's go ahead and take a look at our entire World Cup performance review. Um, we'll talk about the standout performer and your disappointing performer for each third of the pitch. And we'll start with defense. I would I feel foolish if I don't ask Scroggins for a standout performer in defense. Who do you who do you have? For Tim Ream. Tim Ream, a thousand times Tim Ream. He, yeah, I think, I think everybody's going to agree with that. <laughs> I mean, if if you don't agree with that, you are banned from watching uh, the U.S. men's national team forever after that. He he played amazing. So, uh, and that's my totally unbiased opinion as a Fulham fan. I think even even as not a Fulham fan, I think 
saying Tim Ream was not our best defender would be silly. I think he's one of our best players, probably the man of the tournament for us. Him or Adams. You could you could say the same thing for Adams as man of the tournament. Uh, Ian, I'm going to go to you for the most disappointing performer in the defense. Well, you know, it's hard to say for a team that was mildly successful for the World Cup, you know. Um, I'd say fairly successful. Yeah, I mean, getting out of the group, again, that's like, that was the baseline, I think. Uh, that was the goal. Yeah, I mean, you, you could say... <laughs> You could definitely say Shaq Morris Scroggins is prodding me in uh, yeah, in the chat right now, but I might potentially say out out of like the starters. Yeah, go potentially start. Walker, potentially Walker Zimmerman was disappointing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he looked like hard. yeah he he looked like he was just um, a little bit short on confidence. I think, and and that definitely showed on the tackle on Gareth Bale. Um, he was, you know, kind of like lucky not to give anything up against England, I think. Um, and then, you know, I think straight up one of the, you know, handful of, of decent decisions that Burhalter made was was resting him and bringing in CCV against Iran. Yeah, I think out of the starters, Zimmerman, and then just overall, I guess, Sha- Shaq Moore. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I think he shouldn't have been I on think... this roster at all. <laughs> I wonder how well Dest did defensively. I know he's a huge asset going forward, but I, I look at him a lot like I look at uh, uh, Alexander Arnold, though. Like really good going forward and a little bit of a liability coming back. Maybe I'm. I wrong would say that. if you look at the tournament as a whole, I think he did fairly well. This, yeah. this yeah. today's game, uh, we got we got had as a team, and he was exposed in particular, as was our other fullback, which should clue you in that this is systemic, not necessarily just that we have bad fullbacks. Um, but outside of today, I think both our fullbacks did better than we would have expected right. defensively. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Jake, I'm gonna stick with you. Who is your standout midfielder? Uh, Gio Rain. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I think it 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 obviously has <laughs> you to wish. be Tyler Adams. Uh, the man I had. I mean, I feel bad for the the lint catcher in his dryer after that England game because it was it, it his pockets were all full of England players uh, when he did his laundry that day. Um, he. <laughs> So pocketed stupid. that team. The he kid man was... would have been so upset. <laughs> oh! You're stretching out the clothes. We gotta, <laughs> get new... we gotta get new laundry machines, Tyler. Get with it. The yeah, dryer's broken. Gonna... We got Mason Mountain, the lint catcher. <laughs> Again, outside of outside of one moment against the Netherlands today, I think he had darn near a perfect tournament. Um, and and the work that he does lets the team do what they need to do, like Weston and and Musa can, I mean, they have a free reign. They know they can move forward. I, I really think Adams is the one that makes our midfield and makes our team work. And yeah, he, he was, his- yeah, he was. And, and also, what a captain. Like, I love Pulisic, but if I hear anyone call him Captain America again, I might lose my mind. Hey, you might not know this. Tyler Adams is Captain America. There's two. Hey, remember that time that Burhalter tried to play Adams as a right back? <laughs> I think that might I have been a that from my memory. 
I was, one of the other five right backs didn't get taken out or however many we brought. I uh, was having okay. a good day until you threw that into my brain, Ian. <laughs> I'll go At ahead least and let didn't Scroggins do it during the World say, Cup, you know. Guys, we, we're on a time limit here. <laughs> I'll go ahead and <laughs> let Scroggins say our worst midfielder, or most disappointing, not worst. These guys made it through the group. Yeah, um, I think the easy answer here is is Geo, just because he didn't see the field. But um, I think I'm going to zig a little bit. Um, I think the most disappointing was all the times that Aronson was subbed on as a midfielder and not a winger. Um, I think he was just horribly miscast in that role, and he destabilized the the midfield. Um and uh, I think that was every time that that sub was made, I thought it was not a good idea. Aronson's a fantastic player. Uh, I think he just doesn't fit the role that that uh, Burhalter was trying to peg him into. Okay, uh, Jake. Time limits be darned. Aronson is a midfielder. That's where he plays for Leeds. The problem was trying to play him as though he is a Weston McKinney clone, right? Right. Adjust your midfield. Go go to a double pivot. Musa can play that double pivot. Weston can play that double pivot. Let Aronson come on. Give rest to one third of our amazing midfield. Put him into the midfield. Let him be that 10 that just does the terrier work of harrying the ball all the time. But for the love of God, just adjust your shape a little bit. Okay, I'm going to defend Scroggins here a little bit. I think a lot of people would count the 10 as kind of like half midfieldy, half attacky. So I could see that. It's thing. a center attacking a what? Mid- a center Calm attacking down. mid. Yes, an Calm attacking, attacking what? What are our labels for the three thirds? When did we get Pat Onset onto this thing? That's crazy. Defense <laughs> midfielders attackers. He'd, no, he'd defense midfielders forwards. What are you talking about? That's, Do you watch this sport? <laughs> we got to help Jake Reed. What, when did yeah. we let him on? I didn't write this. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write this layout. But Scroggins was attacking. supposed I thought to Jake host was this. Dead. I, I apologize to all of our <laughs> listeners for this. Ignorance. All right, now let's look at the attackers. As uh, we like to call him here on the Dynamo Faithful, Sands Jake. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my standout performer. I think Christian Pulisic had a, a great tournament in the attack. How many goals he set up? Two or three assists? Two assists. Um, got the got the superhero goal. So Christian Pulisic, I think everybody has to say him. Him or Haji, right? Um, Ian, who would you say is we'll the most? We'll talk about Haji. Attacker? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the most disappointing was very obviously Haji Wright. No. Okay. What did yes. Ferreira do the entire first half? Okay. Nothing. Haji Wright scored a goal. Under, okay. Understandable. I will. I will. This one time, cede that point to you, Sinski. Jesus Ferreira was very disappointing, but he also was never in any way, shape, or form put in the right place to succeed um, in this tournament. But Haji Wright was wildly disappointing for me. The fact that he basically, as Scroggins put it, looked like he took an ambient 15 minutes before he came on literally every time that he was on the pitch. I mean, I was losing my mind uh, when he was just kind of like floating around versus England when... You know, points points could have been had in that match. And, yeah, you know, all three points, I mean, 
could have been had in that match if you know a forward was was applying themselves a little bit more um and then you know i think he came on against iran and looked silly at times um you know trying to trying to get a late attack on and so i was just expecting more from him i thought he was included on the roster because you know burhalter was trying to facilitate some form of of you know yeah just like some cohesion in the attack and due to his familiarity with so many of the players on the roster for years um but so to include him especially over you know potentially our best all-around forward available who's playing in a top five league in europe right now pifok you know was even just made everything that he did even more disappointing yeah sad times sad times so I really thought Haji Rai would uh, prove you guys wrong, and he he sort of. I mean, I was it. hoping for it. Don't but, get me wrong. Yeah, but it just so. didn't pan out at all. And then let's uh, talk Matt Turner. Uh, goalkeeper is still a position, and I feel like it gets overlooked when we talk about defense. Jake, how would you rate Matt Turner? Um, on what scale? One to ten. Perfect. <laughs> I really though. I think he was great. I think he actually exceeded my expectations. Um, he was a. We knew he was a shot stopper coming into this tournament. We knew that about him, and and I don't blame him for the goals today at all. Again, you leave an empty runner in the box. That could he have saved some of them? Yeah, maybe he could have gotten a hand on it, but somebody could have tracked the runner save. too. What really surprised me about him, even today, and I feel like uh, the the Dutch really tried to st- uh, you know stifle this. His distribution from the back is way better than any of us had any idea it was. Like he trotted off to England and learned how to pass the ball. Um, so thank you, Arsenal. We appreciate that. Yeah, hey, no clubs. And we can say that with team. no pushback because we kicked all the Spuds fans off the podcast. <laughs> Scroggins, one out of ten. How do you do? Oh, Matty Turner, I, I'd say a nine. Uh, I mean, for me, a ten. You wanted to put him in at the nine? <laughs> yeah, he probably could have. He would have been better well than Haji. Haji. <laughs> uh, I, don't think any, I don't think any crosses would have found his head across uh, uh, this, this tournament. No, I, I thought matching. Matthew, great. I think this game was his best game uh, because he had the most to do. Um, and I, I mean, like, just the way that he, uh, you know, he dribbled a couple guys in the Wales game uh, alone. I think makes him the the starter for the U.S. men's national team. Sure, I almost died of a heart attack, but it was really funny. So <laughs> I'm here for the memes. And Ian, real quick, give me your uh, synopsis of Matt Turner's tournament. Man, yeah, I'd I'd have to say a nine or a ten. I don't think he really put a foot wrong. Um, and I think one of the low key things that we didn't account for when we were talking about how Van Hall really took advantage of our defense is um, Matt Turner is a really great shot stopper, and you know how you counteract that is you don't let him have the opportunity to size up the shot to stop it. So I think Van Hall actually accounted for that when he was, you know, devising his plan to have late runners coming into the box. Because as a former keeper myself, if you have late runners coming into the box on the backside of you, guess what you're not seeing in your eyeline? 
those late runners. You're expecting your midfielders or your defenders to pick them up. So I think Van Hall, knowing, you know, doing his homework, probably actually played into even more so why he wanted to have those late runners come into the box because it would also neutralize Matt Turner's, um, you know, right. best yeah best aspects Excellent. in the net. Okay, this next question uh, I'm going to answer first. How did Greg Berhalter do? He got us through the group. He changed up his tactics visibly with substitutions. Y'all may have thought the substitutions came late. I'll agree with that. But I do think he set up some nearly perfect defensive tactics, and he trusted his forwards to find the goals, and that includes the attacking midfielders on the pitch in that term forwards. And I I just think... I think he might have expected a little bit too much out of his forwards and didn't have a good enough game plan for them. So I'm going to give him a solid seven, and that's probably the highest rating he'll get. Scroggins, you could tear the man down. Um, I want to split this grade into two parts. Um, I want to have a uh, first half Greg and then a second half Greg. And uh, I'm going to say first half Greg gets a seven, maybe even a seven and a half. Uh, first half Greg did great. Second half, Greg gets a two. Ian, either cut out me saying it's the highest grade he'll get on the pod or cut out Scroggins 7.5. Go ahead, Scroggins. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. Uh, he, w- he was weirdly, I don't know if y'all remember this, but during like the Gold Cup or the Nations League tournament. Uh, we won both of those. We we did indeed. He he got us a couple trophies and very grateful for that. Um but do you remember how terrible we were in the first half? In the second half, we would come out with all these adjustments and then like come rowing back into the games. And yeah. and uh, this was like the inverse of that. Reverse. He got he got like the first half nailed, it, but just it, outside of the, this Netherlands game, nailed the first half, but then just couldn't adjust in the second half. Like it, it, it just, I don't know. He he needed to throw a water bottle. Who knows? <laughs> Okay, uh, Mr. Barry, how do you do? One to ten, give me Greg Berhalter's value for you. Or score? Oof, that's so tough. Um, for like the tenure of his his time as a U.S. national coach, World Cup. I'll give him this review. Yeah, I'll give him. Oh, just World Cup. World Cup. Okay, well, I'm gonna do what I was gonna do anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For for his for his whole time as coach, I would say a seven and a half. Like I think we've been frustrated. He's had shortcomings. Most coaches have shortcomings, but we've had a lot of joy in the last four years. For this World Cup, I think I would give him a six. Um, I think it is time with the talent level that we have that we start to see getting out of the group as something that isn't like to be celebrated, but to be expected. And so he yeah. did what was expected. He even went a little bit above that with some of the performance that we saw um, being dominant against teams that we should dominate, even being dominant against teams that we weren't expected to come out and and fight toe to toe. So I think we that there's that there's everything except points. There's a, there's a lot to to say. Like, listen. He did a good job in these respects, and and I don't want to be the guy that's like this guy was abjectly terrible all the way through, but his shortcomings didn't go away. His shortcomings were still there, and I do believe his shortcomings held us back. So I'm going to say six. 
All right, Ian, you're going to round this one out again. Man, I got to say, um, you know, I do want to give Burhalter some credit, and I do want to, um, you know, kind of counteract any kind of like emotional aspect or frustration aspect to this grade for him. But, you know, I would probably give him a seven overall. Um, some of the things that, that, Jake has said about him and some of the things that you've said about him as well, Sinski, you know, I do think he has been able to instill a little bit of an identity. I do think his like initial game plans have been pretty solid. I think for the most part, he's, you know, figured out the potential future, you know, starting like 11 ish, um, you know, maybe a few rotations off of players that are on the bench. Um, so I think he he's he's done a good bit to like set a foundation. He's done a good bit to get the team some tournament experience. So, you know, I'm going to give him a 7. I think that we have our frustrations that we've already outlined. I'm not I'm not going to, you know, rattle into those things again. Um, but, you know, I do want to give him some credit, especially if he doesn't stick around as US Men's National Team manager beyond this tournament and we're still yet to really get a definitive answer on that. Yeah. But I do think whoever the next head coach is, it's got to be a top one, top international head coach, because we have a golden era in front of us and on the way. I don't think it ends with these guys. There's a lot of guys coming up. And I think, like you said, with the identity that we have, we get in a head coach who can really change things mid-game, who can really like get players behind him. We could win the American World Cup, I think. Now... We're out, so we got to talk about who's going to win it because it's not going to be us anymore. Uh, go ahead and give me your bracket winner, Jake. Who wins the World Cup? The United States of America. Oh my God. <laughs> In your heart? They'll always be winners to me. I think Jake just said he's done watching. <laughs> Scroggins, who, who do you have? Um, I'm going to say the Dutch win it. Um, one, because it'll make this loss look better. And two, because they wear dynamo orange. And they have hey. some of the best defenders in the world. Um, Forever orange. <laughs> Ian, who wins your bracket? This is really tough for me. Uh, pre-tournament, I would have said Argentina. Right now, kind of leaning towards Brazil because of depth. Um, but yeah, we'll see. This is even our fun wrap-up question, and you guys are all wrong. Portugal is going to win the World oh, Cup. Cristiano no, Ronaldo's going to go Zinsky, out. On you've top. already made yourself enough of a fool tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the pod will remember this, Jake Barry. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo's winning the whole thing. Bruno Fernandez, player of the tournament. Oh man, Diago Dalot, that guy's a treasure. Shoot! Wow. You gotta love this Portugal team. Anyway, they'll only win. Do... They'll only win if they play Jao Paulinho a lot more. The uh, the Fulham midfielder. That's all I'm saying. It would take benching cool. Cristiano Ronaldo. Is there a coach? <laughs> does he have the stones to do that? Have you seen Fernando Santos? He does not care. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to our fun wrap up. We loved in this pod with a great question. Just a fun thing to leave the viewers on a high note and let us laugh instead of cry. Who will be the key player for the USMNT in the next World Cup host by Nor hosted by North America? Ian, you keep going last. Why don't you go first? I'm 
just going to like put one out there on a hope and a dream because he never saw the pitch really in this World Cup. But I hope it's Gio Reyna. I really think he could develop into a difference-making player for the U.S. men's national team by the next time that um, the next World Cup rolls around. Okay. Yeah, that's a good shout. Scroggins, who is your USMNT linchpin player in the next World Cup? Tim Ream. <laughs> 39-year-old Tim Ream. <laughs> hey, look, we can stone in, as center back. <laughs> we counted the man out at 35. I ain't counting him out at 39. Full, you know, like I, I'm not going to be fooled again. That's all I'm saying. Jake, who do you have? I know you've still got the USMNT winning this tournament, but who's going to help us win the next one? Uh, some 15 year old in Philadelphia that we haven't heard of yet. That's You're talking about uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron, uh, Paxton Aronson. Aronson. I'm not talking player. about him because because Paxton Aronson is no longer in Philadelphia. He's in Frankfurt, and we've heard of him. It's going to be a 15 year old that we don't know anything about yet. Oh, okay, okay. He'll be 19. He... He'll be the best player in the world. Why can't he be out of Houston? Jake? Have you seen our... It'll be the World Cup after. Oh, okay. We've got some okay. work to do. Okay, I'll take that. I'll 2032 take that. World Cup. Twenty. Somebody help me math. <laughs> 2030? <laughs> 2030 World Cup. It'll be... <laughs> 2 plus 8, Jake. All right. I don't think we know his name either because I'm really hoping there's some young striker that's going to come up and turn this team around. Um, at least the attacking portion. I just that's where we looked lackluster. Maybe it was a tactics issue. I don't know, but I want I want a nine who like makes that spot his home. You know what I'm saying? So that is my linchpin player. Some guy who's going to score seven goals in the tournament. Thank you so much for listening to this final edition of American Faithful for the World Cup. The USMNT are now out. Please subscribe to the pod so you're first to know about when our new episodes drop. We're so grateful for you all, and we have really enjoyed doing these USMNT pods. We love you all. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Billow. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Scroggins' good... grandkid out of the Houston Dynamo Academy. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> I think my Jake's oldest right. child will only be 21. Someone that help me be... math on that? <laughs> it's not going to be possible. <laughs> oh, it'll be possible. It would just be your worst nightmare. <laughs> Or, or your Possible, greatest dream that pleasant. she meets the man of her dream <laughs> very early on in life. And Mary's young, has we're wonderful talking, children. Guys, we're talking about eight years from now. The child's already born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For unto us a son is given. <laughs> okay. We've officially Sinsky, lost it. Wrap this thing up. Sinsky, we already have a soccer Jesus on the men's national team, and he didn't do great. Let's not get all messianic here. <laughs>